2: There's a bounce <coughs> I've been only in for bit, two a... minutes. <coughs> oh my!
0: <laughs> I thought you wanted to speak, rather than cop.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of Twenty Minute Tims a. I'm your host Jamie. I'm joined by Martin Melly Yes, and Stephen. Hello. Poor melly has got the cold. Stephen. Yes. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll have to nurse him through it. We'll have to. You just have to carry on through. You're gonna battle through, Melly He's a pro, though.
0: He's a yeah. pro. He's turned up. He's turned up and diseased us all up in this uh, this tight little studio that we're in. So semi pro. <laughs> uh, listen,
1: speaking of professionals, we've only got one question this week. I want to ask you, where are we wrong? Where are we wrong last week? Because I sat in this chair and I didn't hear much disagreement in the room about players who perhaps aren't making it a Celtic, are not going to make it a Celtic. We've had a couple of whipping boys in the podcast so far, but in the last couple of weeks, Melly, Brendan started to play some of these fringe players and they're starting to contribute are they contributing enough? Who knows, but one guy that thinks he is contributing enough is David Turnbull. He scored a goal and then he put his fingers directly in his ears to suggest that he doesn't listen to 20-minute times.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then he missed a penalty a didn't he? Didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Turnbull's a strange one, isn't he? He seems to pop up with goals, but it's never, it's never been quite decisive goals for Celtic. He's not got those big game goals, but he has a decent enough player, but I just felt with Ange coming in and then Hatate, Matt O'Reilly coming into the team, team sort of moved beyond them, and now we find them getting games again. I've never been really too for David Turnbull playing, but I've never been against him playing. I think he's just one of these players. Is he a decent guy to have around the squad? Yes. Is that a good enough reason to keep him? Probably not. You're probably aiming for better, but two goals in two games could have been three if he had bagged the penalty as well. And look, if he's going to be a player at Celtic, I never see him starting all the time, but... He's going to be a squad player coming in and contributing these games, that's what he needs to do. But he needs more more games like the Ross County one.
1: Does he have the right to stick his fingers in his ears, though, David <laughs> Because that is a that's a message to fans and his critics, isn't it? And I don't imagine he's got that many critics within the club. I saw Joe Hart. On social media, praising him after the game and all that sort of stuff. So it is a message to the fans who sort of like to have a wee go at David Turnbull. But it, you know, in my opinion, it might as well be a message to the consecutive Celtic managers who don't see fit to start him <laughs> yeah, yeah. every single week.
0: It's a, it's a. You all must have forgot gesture, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's quite. A, it's the official. You all must have forgot. I, I think the the gesture itself. I think people are maybe a bit too sensitive about these things. It's no. It's no ideal. But I was there. Uh, he, he misplaced a pass right in front of us right we sat in the halfway line he passed it to try to pass it down the left either Palmar or Taylor I can't remember who it was and it went straight at the pitch and there were all sorts of groans and grumbles from the crowd right and People telling him he's pish and not good enough, right?
1: So there's all that. Imagine getting that. Your, imagine getting that at any other job you do. Just some just saying, strangers berating you. Imagine we had
0: someone in here. Imagine we had one of these people who gives us reviews and gives us YouTube. Oh, comments they do that that. That. That's
1: what social media's for. We get plenty of that. Yeah,
0: but imagine they were sitting right here, <laughs> like, in between me and me, and me like, just J, just Jekyll and every time i's, the Jekyll
1: is. every time I told a crap joke, boom. <laughs> <I> so, <laughs>
0: so there was a bit of that for David Turnbull, and uh, a few minutes later. He, I mean, he's standing right there as well. There's no way he didn't hear it. And then a few minutes later, he rattled one in the top corner, and then gave it a wee bit of the fingers and the ears. And everybody's "Oh, you're a disgrace! <laughs> How dare you!" So I, I, don't, I don't really have a problem with it. It's a, it's a little bit over the top for a guy who has just scored a goal, right? And I don't think. It's probably a theme that's going to come through this episode that we're doing. Is I don't know if scoring a goal necessarily makes us unlearn everything we've ever previously thought about a certain player, especially if they've been there for years. This is David Turnbull's what, fourth this season, I think mm. it is. But that, having said that, he, I think he's a good player. I think David Turnbull's a very good player. He's got five goals already this season, which has kind of crept up on me. I was surprised by that. Could have had more, as you say. Missed a penalty. But five goals at this stage of the season. He only got five in the whole of last season, so... Uh, He's doing well for the limited game time he's had and I suppose that despite the fact that consecutive managers don't necessarily play him all the time, that could be said of a number of players, including James Forrest, right? Mm. It's often said about James Forrest, well, he must bring something to, to the squad to have stuck around all this time and every manager feels that he's of value to keep around. To an extent, that's kind of the same with David Turnbull because... Lennon clearly rated him because he brought him to the club. Then Anne's played him a lot in his first season until he got injured and kind of ran out of steam. now you know, Brendan Rodgers kind of raves about him really. He's gone out of his way to talk about David Turnbull as a very technically gifted player. He wants to keep him. There's mm. talk of a new contract which will maybe come on to in a wee second. So managers do seem to rate him but sticking your fingers in your ears because you've scored a goal, is maybe a little bit it's off over the top. It's over-egging it. It's it's, over it's, egging a, that it's a wee bit, bit off him. the top, but I didn't grudge him it because, again, it's, it probably looks bad on, on the telly, but I I was sitting
1: in amongst it and I thought, ah, it's, a wee, it's a wee bit cheeky, but he's just giving a wee bit back there. I've had my grumbles about David Turnbull and it is kind of just his slowness, his one-footedness. Every time the ball goes to David Turnbull, he doesn't look as if he's going to make an awful lot happen, unless, mainly as you say, he pings it in himself. He's he's a good striker of the ball. There's no denying that.
2: Yeah, he's great. He can finish it well. And you've seen that with the Ross County goal. But we're looking for a bit more creativity. And it's it's not so much David Turnbull's the problem. It's real Hatati in front of him. He creates things for Celtic. He can be that sort of maverick that can create out of nothing. Turnbull can't really do that, can he? And look, he's a different player. He's maybe just not as good as Hitati. But as an understudy, is he decent enough? I think so. But what happens when it comes to a big game? Celtic will have a lot of big games, European games, they've got games coming up against Rangers in the lead up to the the January break. Is David Turnbull going to be with the guy, the go-to guy for Celtic in that Hatati replacement? I think he'll drop in and out. So if this is a chance for him to try and stake his claim. But he's three, four years into his his time at Celtic. Is he just all of a sudden going to be good? But at the same time, I think 24 years well, old he's not the oldest I don't think he's a bad player I don't no, think David no, no, Turnbull no.
1: is a bad player but I think a lot of it comes out of the fact that there are players that I just prefer seeing playing for Celtic and everyone's got their own threat. I'm not going to berate the guy and say he's terrible he's, he's been here I think he signed a 2020 player and young player of the year in, in one season under Neil Lennon but we all know what season that was yes, in, yeah. the season that doesn't exist then consecutive managers brought in players that have sort of played ahead of them, and that's just how it's been, nobody's seen David Turnbull as their first pick in midfield, but as you see, he's only 24. To, I think it's Caddyshack where the guy goes, the world needs ditch diggers too <laughs> and just because you can't be number one and you, you can't start, you, he, there's no denying that he, as a fringe player, he is, his, his contribution to Celtic is net positive and he's and he's doing quite well and we, we say this about the players that are no playing. and you say, well, you get a chance, you need to take it, you need to contribute and, and, David Turnbull's quite right to stick his fingers in his ears and goes, what what more do you want me to do? I'm not playing, but when the manager does play, I'm scoring goals for you.
0: Yeah, and it's always been the way. It's always been something he's been capable of throughout his time at Celtic. He's always liable to pop up with a goal here and there. You've said it already, but he can strike a ball so, so well. It's obviously his, his main thing. It's the main thing that's made him stand out and eventually got him to Celtic in the first place. At this point, though, I think it becomes with the chat of his new contract and Brendan Rogers, I think, was asked about it. It's kind of old news because he's been in the last year or in the last year of his contract for quite some time now. And it's just if he comes into the team and scores a goal, scores a couple of goals, he's good to this week, it's going to become a pressing concern for people who get to ask Brendan Rodgers questions at these press conferences. It, it then becomes about right, okay, he's he's a good player at twenty-four. Not I'm not disputing that, but the Celtic need him at twenty-seven. Would, mm. would a better scenario not be that and I get that this is kind of pie in the sky stuff because we've all given up on we're all shutting Lennox down, down right? right for all that's for all that good, it's, the conveyor belt was doing but would have not been better by this point to have been replaced maybe by like an 18 or 19 year old who's coming up behind what them Is that
1: question like, where, are, where are these guys that we're supposed to be bringing yeah. I've spoken before in the podcast about the struggle that Scottish clubs generally including Celtic have a keeping keeping these young players and what what are you left with like we're probably I don't think it's an exaggeration to say we're looking at a situation where you probably won't ever sign another David Turnbull or an, you're yeah. never going to see another Callum McGregor. You're probably never going to see another James Forrest because the promise these guys showed at that young age would have them down south and snapped up before Celtic could really even get get our hands on them. We'd need to be pretty sharp, pretty creative and the player would really want to do it. But you're right in saying that say so you're having the, the football manager clear out you know that football manager 24 is about to drop I've not bought it in years but I'll tell you I am choking <laughs> to get this version because of the potential clear out you can have at Celtic and you just get to cherry pick your ideal Celtic squad and I'm looking at it going right. so we could maybe let him go in the summer free up some wages it's not an area that we really desperately need bodies and in no. fact it's the most congested area of the squad we've got home in there who I'm really enjoying watching just now I thought his assist in the St Mirren game was absolutely brilliant yeah so I I am picking and choosing my favourites. Maybe I'm weaning a wee bit unkind to David Turnbull, but I'm no I'm not giving David Turnbull a new contract. That being said, I probably would have tried to sell him last year and got some money in for him.
2: Uh I'm kinda in the same boat. I think he's decent enough. I've always said, look, he's a, a decent squad player to have around, but does that mean I wanted to show a new contract to him? Probably not, because if I'm looking at real Hatati who plays ahead of him, Celtic, while well, they have a lot of midfielders, you're looking at home, Bernardo. Bernardo's a different player. He's not that attacking sort of midfielder. So you've got Hitati and Turnbull. I'm, I'm not quite sure where home fits in yet. He's looked decent in spells, but I don't think he's going to be that. way he might be that forward-thinking, creative player. So if for like in January, when it comes to sign, give him a new deal, or go out and sign a new midfielder in his position, I'm signing a new midfield in his position because we've seen last season, David Turnbull is playing now because Aaron Moy's not there anymore. Mm. It's not because David Turnbull's better than Aaron Moy, it's because Moy's left and uh, Spaces come up in the squad. So uh, Are we I'm, being really cruel though? Because like David Turnbull is a young player. So say David Turnbull
1: was playing for, for talking sake, Sunderland, a club that's realistically his level, sort of upper championship, something like that. How much would we have to pay to replace yeah, him? You know, yeah. we're, we're sitting here and we've got the guy, and maybe we're being a wee bit dismissive. I, I'm just sort of gaming, talking oh. myself out of this here, but maybe we are because, one, we've seen what the recruitment has been like so far. <laughs> yeah, well, so we've brought it, so we're sitting here saying, sell David Turnbull and, and replace him with somebody else. But the fact of the matter is, we signed, we've signed Bernardo, Home, Quan, Idaguchi, McCarthy. None of these guys are. Iwata. Even, yeah. Iwata. None of these guys are getting in ahead of David Turnbull. So. O'Reilly and, and Buttons, but I know but if you're looking what we've done here is we've brought in six players all of whom can't get in ahead of David Turnbull and what we're saying is sell David Turnbull and just buy another they're the exception to the rule real... the most likely scenario here Stephen is we sell David Turnbull and get in another Quan. Uh, well yeah going by watch Quan prove <laughs> it wrong <laughs> Go by uh, the numbers
0: we issue a full and frank apology to Quan <laughs> after this uh, th- to me he's, he's a youngish player he's not young young 24 is not a guy who you're talking about like hitting their potential mm. in, or waiting for them to hit their potential. They're already pretty close to it at 24. Maybe if he played more, it might be a, a better idea. He's a idea.
1: Celtic player, I suppose. He's one of the youngest, younger ones in our squad, I suppose. No, um, no I he? Matt
0: O'Reilly's uh, 20 I, well. he, He's a good bit older than, than Matt O'Reilly's, maybe younger than Hattati, I don't know, but I, I would, I'm would. i trying not to focus on Turnbull too much, but how I think the system is kind of broken down here is that he has... Not young and he's not old, so he's got to that point where you're trying to make. He's right in the middle. So
1: <laughs> we're just doing that Arsenal fan
0: thing. He's 28, no, he's 29, and uh, so, so he's, he's 24. He's kind of right in the middle where I think he, a decision needs to be made on him, and that has coincided with his contract about to expire. And I would apply that to guys like Ralston and Welsh and others. Mikey Johnston's another one where you think, right, this is the this is what to an extent but should Celtic as a club we've been talking about these player trading models and developing players for so long should these guys not been kind of should they know something behind them by now in the 18-19 year old bracket because mm-hmm. these guys are all, all on contracts and potentially if David Turnbull gets one as well they're all on contracts taking them up to like 28-29 and all that where's, where's, the, where's the forward plan in here I'd, so I, I don't want to necessarily or unnecessarily focus too much on David Turnbull because I think he has a good player but We've got too many players. It's only a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how the squad's far too big. It's bloated in certain areas and now we're talking about just keeping everybody because they're quote-unquote good players. So it can't really work out like that. I don't think we can... Just pick and choose. So we just we want rid of all the crap and we'll mm. keep all the good players despite the fact that they're maybe ageing into certain brackets where they're going to want to play football a lot more than David Turnbull probably is. That's the other aspect of it. Does he even want to stay at this stage of his career? Can he he better himself elsewhere? So I, I don't think it's... I, I wouldn't be handing it on you contract you contracted David Turnbull now.
1: There is a balance though like uh, because we're going to lose potentially some other players it's a difficult squad. It's a difficult squad to balance the Celtic squad and there's some, there needs to be some proper recruitment done and we need to look at the squad as a whole. I think the, the scattergun approach that we've spoken about a million times isn't going to work and I think with David Turnbull in particular, you're right, are, are we just keeping them when he's going to rise to the top because we've sold everyone else around him? Yeah, yep. All the other qualities went out and then David Turnbull ends up playing. I suppose the mark of it is going to be, does Brendan trust him to start against Madrid?
2: Yeah, that'll be it, wasn't it? That's the sort of acid test for him. He's played... Scored in the last two games, the Ross County game, probably his best performance in a, a long, long time for Celtic. Is it going to be enough for these games? Probably not still. To be honest, I'd play Bernardo ahead mm. of him, but looking forward as well, I think this Celtic team lacks a bit of creativity, a wee bit of flair. Um, yeah. And well, we want bringing a winger to do that, I still want somebody in that central midfield area out with Rio Hitati that's going to be able to do that. Turnbull's there right now and he's not doing it. Can score the odd goal Gets the odd assist But he's not that creative player We need And moving forward Is he just being stuck around Because he's a Scottish player And we need these For the Champions League I know you hate it Stephen And it's a crap rule End of the day We need these players Mm. We need these players To be able to register them So is he an option that way Is that enough for
1: Again that's not enough for David. I I don't imagine for a minute That's enough for David Turnbull At 24 he's a talented footballer Hey David going to stick around Because you you fulfil a quota That is Hey, that's a Celtic problem that David yeah. Turnbull would be well within his rights to say. There is a question of style, though, isn't there? Because again, it comes to the the, the 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 sort of holistic view of the squad and the way Brendan Rogers wants to play, and that lack of creativity and the trouble we're sort of finding the, the change changes style we've seen. Maybe the trouble we're finding Kyogo's runs, which has been brought up in the last couple of games, is is are you keeping them because he's a good player and you're you're frightened you're not going to get any better? or are you keeping David Turnbull, Or this goes for any player, but not specifically David Turnbull, are you keeping him because he fits into Brendan Rodgers' vision for Celtic? <laughs> and part of me is just worried that what, Brendan's doing that thing where he goes, I want to keep David Turnbull, because he's kind of maybe not got that much faith that we'll be able to replace David Turnbull. I mean, five goals already, he's coming in, he's contributing Brands it's for it's a risky bit of business getting rid of a guy like this.
0: Yeah, and that's why I'm keen for this not to appear like a hatchet job on David Turnbull. I think we all broadly agree he's a very good player and a, a useful player to have in scoring goals. Even when he starts and even off the bench, he scored that hilarious goal against Rangers last season. Remember yep. the, the the was it John McLaughlin yep. Passed it straight right. to him. So he he has had his uses and he's he's turned up when it when it's mattered for Celtic again. It just it just. The circumstances are just sort of coming to a bit of a crossroads for David Turnbull and for Celtic as to what you do next. Another element of, to address what you were talking about there, Brendan Rodgers, he certainly seems to think so. He, Brendan Rodgers certainly th- seems to think he's worth having around because he, he Is David Turnbull and Malky Mackay, a canny stop oh, he loves the him. Doesn't he love absolutely Malky loves Malky Mackay. get it, Malky Mackay's
1: your friend. I've, <laughs> I've never he's
0: seen, I've, he's doing that weird thing, where your know, Pep Guardiola just weirdly focuses in on people that are kind of below him, yeah. he, he, t- he just talks about them far mm. too much. I've never seen Brendan Rodgers kind of doing that with Malky McKay I've never seen him so avuncular about any other rival manager, and they're all hugging. they even when the game's going on, the camera was cutting to them, and they're all they're oh. all yucking it up in the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> Relax,
1: you're Brendan. At your, you're at your work, lads. The like, guy's got a reputation. <laughs> 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 Keep your distance. Don't show me that group, chat.
0: <laughs> another element of it is that we talk about replacing them, right? And I've said that ideally I would like these players to get to like 24, 25. You make a decision, are they going to get better? If the answer is yes, give them a new contract by all means. If the answer is no, they've they've kind of hit their ceiling and they're always going to be... Uh, sort of fringe player David Turnbull is maybe more than sli- there are tears to being a fringe player there are guys that barely play at all and David Turnbull is one of the 13 or 14 players who do play quite often so he is, he is useful there but I would prefer to for Celtic to be planning for the future and it doesn't matter if it's youth development or bringing in signings because they're doing that anyway they're bringing in home who's significantly younger than David Turnbull you would like to think well he'll eventually re- p- replace him remains to be seen but we've also got the other I uh, uh, jokingly uh, referred to earlier the, the Lennox thing are guys like Ben Summers would be we as well just letting him go into the now then if David Turnbull gets another contract is he completely useless and he's just a name I don't mean to focus on I've only mm. seen bi- a little bits and pieces of him he looks like a decent player but if, if, are Ben Summers and Rocco Vata, are they never going to be as good as David Turnbull and James Forrest currently are? If the answer is no, then I'm fine with that, but where there seems to be a, just a bit of a disconnect here
1: than the use of the squad. And that's what I'm sort of getting at mainly when I'm talking about the holistic, you're looking at across the whole squad because last week I'd sort of said, I can't remember the names now, but the scattergun was out because I was getting a wee bit frustrated with some of these guys that just don't look as if they're going to contribute. I spoke about O, I spoke about Yang, and I wasn't just commenting off the top of my head. This is something that Brendan Rogers has said himself. He says, look, you can call yourself a Celtic player. You turn up, you train, you get the tracksuit. You know, you smell. I think he even said they smell nice. They've got Louis, <laughs> yeah. they've got Louis Vuitton bags. I'm sure he said that. Right? Versace
0: blue jeans everywhere.
1: But until you're playing, until you're contributing to the Celtic first team, you can't call yourself a Celtic player. And it's a bit late in the day, or it was looking late in the day when I recorded the podcast only last week, that some of these guys don't look as if they are going to contribute. So players like, oh, and Yang, are they in the same
2: boat? Yeah, I think Yang's a bit different. He's just in the door, but I still... still... It's a bit and game he came on, he injected something yeah. that Celtic were really lacking. He looked good, uh, and then at the weekend he got the start. But again, he's a weird one because... Comes on against St Mirren, looks looks good, makes tries to make things happen, mm-hmm. but ultimately didn't make anything happen. Started at the weekend, tried to do his stuff, but ultimately again, looks good in flashes, but I can't really remember him creating too much. And then Lewis Palmer comes on and gets a goal and assist mm-hmm. in a 20-minute like, cameo. That's the difference. Yang looks good, Palmer does good. Mm-hmm. And it, with Yang, it might come, he is still young. oh I think he's going to be a decent player, I think he's never going to be that guy that starts he needs a run of games to see what he can do, he's never going to get that so when he does start in games like this he has to take his chances and the one uh, during the week, brilliant finish for a guy yeah. that hasn't been playing much, it was could have been easy for him to take a poor touch and then just lash at that but he takes a brilliant touch and he puts it away and hopefully that's the relief for him and then at the weekend he gets a goal that is disallowed by offside Gets into positions where he looks like he's going to score, it's just not been fallen for him recently. He is a guy that's always in and around the six yard box, so I think he will be fine. Is he as good as Jackamakis? Don't think so. Could he be? Possibly, but again, he'll go ahead of him, he's going to play. What I kind of did like was the fact that he has an option now, whereas last week or a couple of weeks ago, we were bemoaning we the fact that we've got about 11 players here, maybe 12. Starting to see a couple of them come into it now. But with o, when Kyogo went to the number 10 and O went up front, some of that looked good. So mm-hmm. for games against Ross County, maybe St Mirren, sort of the lower half teams, that might be an option going forward. There is a question of styles here, isn't there? About
1: where does O fit in? Because I actually want I want and Yang to do quite well, but there's no, I can't really disagree with much of what Melly said about both the players. I think when we got Yaki Makis, he was a much more established striker. Than O was oh, yeah. so you're yeah. not really comparing like for like. No. It's a bit of an unfair comparison, actually. In fact, Yakimakis went and won some award over Lionel Messi over in the MLS oh, twenty nine as well, didn't he? So he's he, it was we, we, yeah the the problem with Yakimakis was maybe he was too good to play second fiddle. That's yeah. why he, the guy wanted to go. He wanted to go and be first fiddle somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted to be primary fiddle, and he's, he's went over to America and he's doing that. O has to take these chances when he drops in, so. I suppose I started the podcast saying, Were we wrong about David Turnbull? and we kind of didn't reach any conclusion about that. But I have- doubled in, whatever you do, yeah, just, that's, that's the, that's the podcaster's <laughs> way, isn't it? You say something, you get hassle for it, and you have to double down to get hassle for Even it. Even if we
0: kind of lull people into a false sense of security by saying, Oh, they might be about to admit they're wrong, forget it, <laughs> forget it, never
1: ever. Do you think I'm wrong? Do you think we, because it's collective responsibility here, it's like the cabinet, do you think we are wrong? <laughs> about O to say that he's maybe struggling, he's maybe not going to be a self-player, Yang. did you Have you seen anything last week or so?
0: Uh, it depends what we've said about O. I, th- I think largely, I think, with O, we've just thought that he's been very unlucky recently. I think he's been getting in, as Meli says, he's been getting in the right positions and things just aren't going over the line for him. What I called for, I think, a couple of weeks ago or the, the week before, I can't remember, where I said that the problem with the squad is that I can't see anyone coming in. We've got a very big and messy squad And the squad, to an extent, even watching the last two games, it's still very difficult to get a handle on because it's quite transient. Players just come and go. Mikey Johnson comes off the bench and then is nowhere to be seen again. So it's it's all quite strange. But what I called for a couple of weeks ago was for some of these guys to just not only be efficient in their support, their backup for the first 11, as it were, because that is kind of emerging as a first 11, as, you know, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing where a first 11 kind of has emerged recently, be a support to that. But, not only that, can you start the odd game and not look completely out of place? And that's what was done in the mm. last couple of weeks. He came off the bench and scored against St Mirren and then he started and was very unlucky not to come away with at least a couple of goals in that game. So I think he has answered that question I asked of him. Whether we are wrong about him, I don't, I don't think so. What I, what I just said was that look, this is what I want to see. Kyogo can't start every single game, especially in the build-up to massive Champions League games and all that. It's not a healthy position for any squad to be in where you can't... Rely on anyone yeah. off the bench or anyone to—it's it, it, changed days. It, it's no longer the nineties where you just play, you just pick eleven players and just stick with it all season. You, we have to have a a right back such as Ralston who come in and started the game. We should have a left back. We don't, right? We, that that's com- a complete right off. at is nowhere to be seen. But we need a striker who can play every sixth or seventh game to take the pressure off the 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 main guy. And that's what he did. That, that's what he did to, to a pretty decent degree. I I don't know if he's ever going to be. Let's say for example Kyogo's kind of aging out of that big move thing and mm. I'm kind of glad of that to be honest we've got him tied down for a wee while but say for example a Bundesliga Italian team comes in for Kyogo in a season or two his time is all going to be the main guy going forward that, that remains to be seen we, we will we might never see I was going to say we will see we might not find that out but I'm more confident in him in the last few games than I have been previously because they're been Spell's this season where he just looked as if he was never going to score. I mean, it's so nothing we'll all the time. Yeah.
1: We'll every time we see these guys, it gives us an opportunity and it gives us a chance to decide whether we're yeah. wrong and we've just decided that probably mostly
2: not. <laughs> mostly not. It's, it's not just that. It's the... I don't know if Brendan Rodgers knows yet either, does he? Because no. he's brought... He brought on Makey Johnson and James Forrest against Hibbs and Yang was left on the bench. And then Makey Johnson's not seen. He brought on James Forrest ahead of O against Athletic Madrid, and played James Forrest up front. So he's still all over the place with his selections as well. Lagabiel can nowhere to be seen. Hmm. Phillips comes in and out. So the squad is all over the place.
1: It's a, I think there is a bit of lack of consistency. I think Brendan Rodgers is still trying to. I feel like Brendan Rodgers has a lot of control over these games. But it's, we're not entirely convincing we're not hugely convincing in these games we're, we're winning we're drawing we're ticking the fixtures by and it all looks very controlled and to me what I'm getting from Celtic just now is part of the way there we're part of the way there and he probably wants one or two windows to do some adjustment to the squad and get some players in so he can reach peak Celtic and that, and that's fine I think we can all agree the transfer windows are an absolute right off and you're chopping the change in the squad as you've said these players are coming in to contribute to various degrees of success yeah and
0: it has been put to us. I can only really go on what people communicate to us during the week. They send us comments on on YouTube and and send us in emails about you know if, is Brendan not just picking these teams? Is he putting out
1: these? Oh, I thought you were going to reference that email the guy sent us asking us to resolve the Israel Palestine. Oh thing. yeah, yeah,
0: we're we're on it. We're on it. Don't worry about that. Yeah, we'll, thanks mate. Yeah, best minds are on it. Um, but we've got we've got a hands full with this podcast in the moment. But, <laughs> Oh yeah, so people come to us and and say things like, "Do you think Brendan Rodgers might be sending a message? See with these slightly underwhelming starting lineups, do you think he's sending a message to the board?" I'm like, "Well, I can't really refute that because mm. I don't know, but I, I would find it difficult to believe that because what we need to remember as fans, we only see what goes on on the pitch and we get the odds, you know, snippet of news, headlines, and all that. But these people work together. Like Brendan Rodgers is liaising with the board. On a absolutely daily basis, there's no need for him to be thrown out weird lineups just to say hey, he's
1: not, hey, that's he's also not afraid to just come out and say he said oh, yeah, a couple of, of weeks ago, yeah. the squad's massive, it's too big. Yeah. He yeah. said it and I think part of the problem and part of the reason we're seeing like Mikey Johnson drop in, then you don't see him again. Then Larga, I think that's just an effort to keep the players happy. I think that's just an effort to get minutes into guys that look as if they can cut all right, he can probably contribute a bit. There are a few mysteries and I think there's a few non met I mean, Lagabia could be a bit of a mystery, right? Yeah. <laughs> is not a mystery. No, I mean, no we don't over. know exactly what happened, but we know the guy's—he's he's nowhere to be seen, and he'll probably end up leaving the club.
2: It's
0: that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work.
1: We'll be we wrong about referees and VAR. <laughs> uh, that, that's, another, that's another topic I want to ask if we we're wrong about. Look, some absolutely mystifying decisions f- for me, and particularly in the Ross County game.
2: Oh, that first half was absolutely abysmal. Started off with the disallowed goal that uh, Liam Scales one. So, oh, a judge to have filled. Uh, two other teams get that given against them. Going to say no. i don't I to no, say no. no Who do you mean, Melly? I, <laughs> I just, I just feel we're refereed differently. I don't see how that's a foul, and it's been very pernickety that one. The the shot pulls at the corner, uh, the corners that probably not a penalty. But again, we seen last week another team gets that. Mm. So I'm I'm just looking at it and the refereeing performance was all over the place. The VAR where they changed the yellow card to the red card. When, he, when the referee goes over and watches that, he watches himself watching it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then decides to change it. So he's seen it first time, he goes over, the best angle for him is the one that he looks past himself to see it. <laughs> like and then person he, game uh, Then, or then <laughs> he changes it, see if that guy in the yellow top would just move out the way. I'd have a belt view of this. So changing that one, look, the right decision was made, but it was just all over the place. I felt the, the referee didn't really have a clue what was going on why is this happening again? And then just to add it all into the mix the the offside, the camera angle they had on that <laughs> was awesome. absolutely delightful. If you're going to disallow goals from that sort of angle, it's not conclusive enough for me.
1: because the, the the whole deal with offside is, it's, it's funny you mentioned the camera angle versus what the officials see. So if you're going to deal with offside, before what we had was a linesman who in theory was looking straight down the line and he could call it, now what we've got is a linesman looking straight down the line and a camera angle far way over here where you can't, really, and you can't really get any sort of conclusive view on what's going on. Look, we are refereed differently. I'm absolutely convinced. Call me what you like in the comments. I'm sure the Rangers fans are going to hold this. I'm absolutely convinced that whether it's sympathy refereeing or referees think we're just going to win games anyway so they can referee us to the letter of law, that's absolutely, you know, that's, that's one theory you can go away. But it's, there is that goal that Liam scale. There's no way Rangers are getting that goal dropped off. No, it's Not no. A chance.
0: No, you you you'd made a or mentioned an interesting phrase there. Sympathy refereeing. That's a thing that shouldn't exist in the in the day of VAR. After the advent of VAR, sympathy refereeing shouldn't exist because when VAR comes into play, it there, there's a question that maybe people don't ask themselves. It is like why why didn't I give that? Mm. So why why didn't I make that decision? Previously, you could have just said, oh, I didn't see that. It looked as if someone was fouled." You would never be pulled up for it because of VAR anyway. But the, the referee and the well, the VAR gets a chance to look at it again. So the the explanation would all would tend to be why why am I not going to give that mm. or why have I given that? It's, it's it's never really fully explained. So if if there is, for example, a shirt pull in another game, and we've all seen it recently. The the good thing about Twitter or X mm. is <laughs> so shite. So the, the good thing about that is that people come up with examples that I've long forgotten and they're immediately on there with, this happened in a game three weeks ago. So again, if that's going to be applied, why have you not given that? Given that you've got all the information, mm. all the information is there, you didn't miss it, you've given, you've been given the chance to watch it again and again and again, take five minutes to work out this. Why have you not given that, is the question that I would that would ask. And it can't be that it's sympathy refereeing because that, that shouldn't be applied so at all.
1: it was all... Was all- was O's foul for Scales' goal Vardoff Or was that blown at the time? Uh, Vardoff So it was Vardoff yeah. Right So uh, You see that all the time in games Yeah And so every single goal gets varred, Every goal gets reviewed And they're, they're no given these things it, Honestly It doesn't really help their case When you've got um, David Dickinson uh, <laughs> In the Rangers game You know that <laughs> <laughs> Oh you're doing some job big man um, No, look A man of substance He uh, was no.
0: seen to mouth From the edge of the uh, end pitch
1: Look <laughs> Look, I, all the conspiracy theories you want, okay? Right? David Dickinson, I'm convinced, is a Rangers fan. I'm absolutely convinced of <laughs> yeah. it, right? There's nothing wrong with it. There's uh, there's nothing wrong. There's people in Glasgow that are Rangers fans and some of them end up as referees. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he he should have net zero emotion about Rangers scoring a goal. Yeah. Now, there yeah. should be net zero emotion about that because he's there to do something. He's there to make sure nobody runs on the pitch. He's not there to... Uh, wistfully catch the eye of the new Rangers manager and give him a good job mate smile. Oh, and and I would be under Steven you're talking about and I would be less <laughs> convinced of this had it not been David Dickinson who gave Rangers the dodgy penalty against Morton to ensure that they progressed in the the, champ, the, the competition yeah. earlier on. It was for that dodgy shot pool that Michael Beale called harsh. Yes, Kurt Broadfoot came out and said nobody knew why he gave it. We knew he'd end up giving us a penalty, giving them a penalty to even it up. <laughs> nobody could understand this penalty that Morton got. And then fast forward, you see him smiling on the touchline when Rangers score. I mean, it's up to him at this point to prove he didn't enjoy that goal because there's, there's, there's it's, <laughs> it's, know it's Chekhov's gun or whatever it's called. What's uh, that? yeah, is that what it's called? Aye.
0: Chekhov's gun is the if. The, the device in, a, a, in fiction where if you show a gun in the first act it has to be fired in the yeah, third well, act well, so. that is actually what it meant yeah.
1: but the, I mean something else what I mean is <laughs> what, right, what I mean is it, for me use boxing, use uh, boxing. Uh, no, I, I can't possibly do the boxing what I mean is if somebody's on the sidelines going if somebody right. scores it's very difficult for them to turn around and say ah, I was um, doing something else no.
0: and he's the fourth official he's <laughs> standing between the dugouts that's where the camera's pointed that's where all the subs are made that's where the managers are it's not like do you remember that uh, Scotland game recently where someone was caught on camera getting a little bit handsy oh, with the girl with uh, his arm round yeah. so he must have come away from that thinking what are the chances I'm in the crowd there's 50,000 people here and I'm the one on camera David Dickinson standing between the managers he must <laughs> how can you not know there's a camera on it you it
1: was just it was so needy and weird <laughs> you know just you're there to do your job you should have no net zero emotion about it when when VAR was brought in right it was brought in presumably to make the game better to make the game of football better else why would they bring it in it was brought in Millie, to get more decisions correct but we're honestly verging to the point with VAR now where all it's doing is highlighting the incompetence of the referees and you don't want it to be the first country to bin it. But that first point, it was brought in to make the game better. Maybe there's other leagues doing it better. Maybe they're doing it better in England. It certainly doesn't seem like anyone's enjoying VAR. But I don't think for me that there's any doubt now that VAR in Scotland has completely failed when it comes to that first bit, making the game better. It's um Sometimes the decisions are a mystery the arbitrary nature of when and how it's applied is completely bizarre to me. And then third and finally, and probably most importantly, see when you're in the stand sometime and they don't tell you what it's for and they don't show you the graphic, you're the people in the stadium. You're subject to this as well and you're not getting things put on the screen that you should be seeing. You've got no idea. It's just not working.
2: I'm not sure, mate. I think the if we look at the past two games for Celtic, Celtic get a penalty. That they wouldn't have got. John Beaton didn't give it uh, mm. against St Mirren. He completely missed the fact that Gogic blocked the ball with his hand, <laughs> and the referee, whilst looking at a guy nearly break somebody's leg, didn't give it either. So those Celtic reached the right decisions for them. Mm. Uh, so I think it should be more often that I'll get the right decisions. It's no highlighting that it's no making football worse. It's highlighting how bad the referees are in this country. Time and time again, mm. they are so bad. They're getting so much wrong. I watch they're for... still giving stuff like Burnaby's handball yeah. oh, earlier yeah, on the yeah. season. David uh, Davidson. That was, the, <laughs> was, that, was <laughs> that
1: him. Uh-huh. He also missed that chest-high tackle on uh, Yakimakis in the oh. same game.
2: <laughs> He's got a good rap sheet in know. So I think <laughs> the, with VAR, it is brought in to try and get to the right decision, but the wrong decision is made on the pitch so many mm. times that it's the referees that are getting shown up. I think they're very, very poor. They are lenient. They... Even the VAR one, like if you're going to referee it to the absolute letter of the law, like disallowing the the Liam Scales one, there should have been about three or four penalties then. If you're mm. going by if that's if that's what the measure stick is, if that's a foul. There's two shot pulls on Celtic players. There's all sorts going on, so there'll be penalties dished out all over the place. But there's only dished out in one one end of Glasgow.
0: Well, that that's exactly what I was getting at a minute ago. Maybe I didn't explain it very well. That's kind of what I'm like. But <laughs> <laughs> that, it was like, see, if the letter of the law. Why are you not applying the letter of the law? Why have you seen something that should be applied to the letter of the law and thought, nah, I'll pull back from a little a little bit from the letter of the law because of these set uh, of circumstances? It's absolutely no good enough. And if that game, like, it's too good. Wins this week too. Good mm. wins that Celtic have, have got. Um, we are doing doing our job just about here. We're getting the, getting the results ticking along that's here. That's why we're
2: moaning about it now. Yeah,
0: yeah. That well, that's it. We, again, you get the usual. Oh, you won three and still moaning about refs. Yes, that's the time to, moan, the about time the to moan about the refs. Yes, we've, we've been over this. But uh, like, there's when someone is sent off against Celtic or you know, one of the you know, the better teams people love that narrative that it ruins the game, right? Or oh, you've sent somebody off, oh, that's it's dead as a contest. Yeah, but that's that. That's kind of what it's for, isn't it? The, the not ruining the contest and not ruining your chances of winning the game is kind of part of the deterrent mm. against doing stuff like that, against trying to break someone's, well, he didn't try to break someone's ankle, but he very nearly did. So the, the right it's decision a was, uh, yeah, having watched the replay back and, you know, the, the referee did as well, uh, I see that the guy was looking at the ball. He does think he has a reasonable chance at getting to mm. the ball, but he just doesn't. It just doesn't. It just plants one straight Tough on Yang's, Yang's ankle. And yeah, that's that's exactly it. On but that's ankle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's it's part of the deterrent against getting sent off is not ruining your mm. team's chances of. So the, the the game itself became it was inevitable that Celtic were going to win it because it kind of felt like that straight away, but once they went down to 10 men, but it was very obvious what kind of game it was going to descend into after that. And Yeah, Celtic maybe made a meal of breaking a team like that down, but Brendan Rodgers after the game is talking about how difficult it can be to play against a team of 10 men because that's his thing and that he knows fine well about what yeah. he changes. He changes things up for, the, so for the positive. McKay <laughs> probably <laughs> told him how to do it. <laughs> exactly. takes
1: to <almost laughs> touch <laughs> you <"Here>,
0: try this. <laughs> uh, my, he, Brendan Rodgers is just there. there. Oh, clever girl. <laughs> 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 changed the tactics. Another Jurassic Park one there. But um, he, he changed up the tactics to, to make it difficult for Celtic. But the refereeing was deplorable, Absolutely dismal. Again, it's just, it's so, so amateurish feeling right. just so in the has VAR made football better in this country? I, I don't know. I, I don't. The thing it, it's supposed to it's supposed to remove controversy, isn't it? But it evidently hasn't done that because no. here we are talking about all the contentious decisions. So it hasn't done that. But what I would say is that Scotland have and always were lined up to have an absolutely half arsed version oh, of it, and we yeah. saw that with the ridiculous camera angle we got on that offside. I'll never know if that was offside or not because it was completely inconclusive. Whether the VAR has access to a different angle than I saw. Was it it then? Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. But that was completely inconclusive. They just drew some dotted lines that were on a blurry image from a sort of 45 degree angle to the the line. It's not supposed to work. No, is that that an economical factor? Can Scottish teams not afford full fat VAR Mm. in this country? Maybe, but the problem is that in trying to implement something like that to improve the game we haven't haven't been able to afford to implement the best version of it so therefore you're going to get a shitty end of the bargain when it comes to trying to make this work and it hasn't improved the, the game up here at all and it hasn't even really removed the element of controversy it gets in these I, I, decisions
1: and it's not improved the game it's just no, no, it's no. no. it's no making the game better controversy rap sheets refereeing Obviously, there's a lot of controversy about the Green Brigade not being invited to games, and as usual with these sorts of things, everyone immediately must race to their posts and take up two very staunch—well, not staunch, maybe that's all the word you <laughs> want to use—but very hard angles on it. And you know, I'll be honest, I'm really struggling with this a wee bit. I don't. There's so much of this I don't understand. I don't. So Celtic, in a, a rare thing, because the problem with Celtic is their communications always honking. They issued a rap sheet. <laughs> Of things that the, the Green Brigade did wrong And off the back of that Canceled a lot of people's Season tickets uh, Practically the whole Green Brigade section Have had their season tickets paused First of all They weren't allowed to away games Then they had their home season tickets paused So paused, So that's, that's missing that bit it, it, The timing of that was odd Celtic yes. said it was nothing to do With the Palestine demonstration And I would like to think It wasn't the, the timing was odd, and the the way that it sort of ramped up really quickly. First, it was the way tickets, and then it was almost no tickets. So you're no longer your ticket sent at all. And there's rumours for people well better connected than us that say this is the end of the Green Brigade. I, I, for me, I don't understand why the Green Brigade perspective is this is. Well, it's difficult to say what the Green Brigade perspective is because they did say that they would communicate through their official channels. They put out a statement more or less denying it. They went on another Celtic podcast um, and they spoke a bit about it but they didn't go into too much detail about it but fair play to the guy for the Green Brigade. He was willing to go into the, the rap sheet. My personal position is I don't know how individual things happen at football games. You gather up a whole bunch of season tickets and say you're all to blame for what is maybe numerous but individuals at a game. I don't know how you do that. You just gather up all these people and ban them. The Green Brigade say Celtic have banned them because of the Palestine display. That's a heavy charge, and I think you need to prove that. But at the same time, the timing makes it quite difficult to disagree with. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand why they can't sort it out, though. I don't understand what is so wrong with because we all like the Green Brigade. We like the the fan culture of it. We like the banners. We like the displays. We like the pyro. We like what they bring to the game. We like the atmosphere. We we like all that stuff the Green Brigade does. Nobody's assenting to the football. We've we're all sitting here. We've done things we shouldn't do at the football, i.e., sneaking in, drinking all that. Sneaking drinking all that sort of stuff. Stephen's smoking in the and <laughs> smoking in the toilets, right? So we're not sitting here like pious. We know going, we've been going to the football for a long time, and we know what happens at the football and all that sort of stuff. Doodling
0: on the walls, uh, so and, and, and
1: everybody misbehaves behaves at the football from time to time. So we know what that's like. I'm just of the position personally. Now we don't speak for anybody else in this podcast. I don't understand why it's got to this point. It seems. It seems like there's a big part of the story for me missing either for Celtic side or the other side and they need to get together and they need to try and sort it out because I think most of the Celtic fans enjoy what the Green Brigade do in the stadium and all that. This rap sheet, if it's true, if it's not true and I'm only going on what I heard on this other podcast, the guy for the Green Brigade said he never denied all of it, he said he would be happy to talk about it. So, there's obviously elements of that which may or may not be true. The Hibernian thing was a mystery to me why that was included. Green Brigade weren't at Hibs and Melly, you were at Hibs, and it's a disaster every time. Everyone goes yep. to Easter Road, so to try and pin that one in the Green Brigade. Kind of doesn't make any sense to me. But why they can't he get the two sides together and get it sorted out and say, does the good have to come with the bad? Can't we have this and not that? And if it's for the Palestine thing and there's people at Celtic who and this is my own feelings no speaking for anyone else but if you're a director at Celtic you're on the border you're high up at Celtic and you have an issue in it, with the Celtic fans supporting the Palestinian cause at Celtic Park then you need to resign because that's what Celtic Park's for that's where Celtic Park fans come from that's what we believe in and there's a there's a support there that's never going to go away so if you don't like seeing that at Celtic Park you, you maybe need to resign your position as a, as a board member because you don't really get as a board member at Celtic to dictate to the fans no. what they do and don't do as far as support for Palestine goes. That's just a moral position that you have to take. So I would hate to think, and everybody knows Celtic phoned up fan media and put says this is what's going to happen. Everybody probably got the phone call and we put out tweets. And in that phone call, Celtic said this is categorically nothing to do with Palestine. But at the same time, Stephen, the timing kind of makes you, makes you you really, really question that. And you don't want to come on and call him a liar. I'm not calling the Brigade a liar. I'm not calling Celtic a liar. But just it's not making sense. No, things are not matching up for me a wee bit.
0: No, nah, well, and the trouble is we're only really getting statements from each side. Aye. There's no communication between the two that we are being made aware of. And it all that's happening really... Just boiling it down to its base elements here is Celtic are saying it's for this. The Green Brigade are saying no, it isn't, it's for this. Yes. Celtic are saying no, it is actually for this thing. And they're saying no, forget about all that, it's for this one thing, it's, yeah. a, it's a Palestine thing. So I, I don't know where to find the, the the true story in amongst all that because I, I kind of feel like both sides are somewhat sugarcoating their own part in they it. Are, right? I, Again, I, I'm only going by by... What I've, what I can, I've, I've got no insight into this other than just reading statements mm. from each side, and I'm just like, well, is this true, or are, are you completely disagreeing on what this is even about? So even what the crux I, of the, I, the can issue I is,
1: because I can hear, I'll hear people in the comments saying, "I were you saying this to Celtic when the phone?" T-? Yes, yeah, categorically, one hundred percent. When Celtic, someone from the Celtic press office phoned around newspapers and phoned around fan media. I, I, I said to the person on the phone. I says, look, I, I'm finding this difficult to believe, and yeah. I, 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 I categorically can say that.
0: And on that slightly misunderstood element of things, like we we don't have a relationship with, with Celtic that goes beyond them sending us press releases. No. They, they they invite us to the odd press thing, and if they've got something to promote, that's when they'll get in touch with us. We don't have a dialogue. We're w- on with the a same cl- boat.
1: Yeah, yeah. we don't have, have a dialogue. Boat, really.
0: we, we don't have any ins to the, the Celtic boardroom. So I just want to clear that kind of thing up because you're important you, enough. No, 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 absolutely not. Yeah, anything we've even we've even asked for in the past about how right, can you send this better audio through from this press conference because no. we kind of use it blanked right yeah. so that that's the kind of the, the nature of the, the relationship there but the thing is if it really is just about individual fans being banned for perceived bad behaviour by the club right I kind of need to take them and face value that it's not really any of my business um, I, I don't <laughs> It's often levelled at both the Green Brigade and fan media that you don't speak for this, we, you don't have mm. to, we don't, you know, stick to the football and that sort of stuff. So I don't know why MD would care about my opinion on the the matters such as these either. I, I just want to, I just prefer to see some sort of resolution one way or the other, and for more information, well, for some proper information to come out about it, that isn't just it's it's about Palestine, not isn't it? It's definitely about Palestine. Now we'll forget it then, because if if the two sides can't even agree upon which what what the offense is Aye. then that's that's a major problem and fans that are you know casual observers to this are left completely in the dark and completely in limbo about they say, they, they say it's about one thing and the club say it's about I just I find something it completely really, different
1: really hard to trust 100% what is coming out of the club i just oh, yeah. i find it really really difficult to just take all that on face value and go they're absolutely correct because there's just so much sort of you always get the feeling there's like an ulterior thing at play. You know, and the times of this kind of did they really add up and you get the feeling that, okay, they're saying this front and foremost, but actually what they're doing is they're working towards another plan. But it always comes back to me, well, why would they they want rid of the Green Brigade? Why would they work towards that? I kind of don't get it. So I think maybe if there are issues with behaviour within the Green Brigade section, the Green Brigade need to take that on board themselves and do a bit better self-policing. I think there needs to be that. I still don't get this sort of... I don't know what else to call it, but it is a a pretty loaded phrase at the moment and I don't want to draw parallels between the Green Brigade and the board and something else, you know, the greater conflicts are happening. I don't want to do that, but I don't know what else to call it, but this collective punishment. Hey, this wee guy uh, did something at at, at Fur Park. You're all banned. That kind of doesn't sit right because I don't think it would happen... In any other section, if we were sitting down and all us three or you two sit together at Celtic, if yous went, I don't know, you turned up to a game, pissed, wrecked, Stuart threats, throw you out. Stephen got his usual mouthy self, and said, <laughs> I'll stick you in a headlock, mate, right or whatever. Stephen says to people, when he's about to bat them. I don't see the whole of. 1056 or whatever you guys sit, I don't see them going, Right, you're all cancelled. I just so it's that bit that kind of doesn't stack up to well, me.
0: Listen, if I'm going to get you in a headlock, I'm not going to warn you about it oh, in advance.
2: Too. You that, believe you, that's me, a rookie error, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, for me, it's all the timing's been horrible with this. The mm. even the Celtic statement after the the banner and the, was it the Comarnock game, just don't say anything, you don't need to say it. And Celtics timing here has been terrible, it looks like it's in the lead up to Palestine and uh, supporting that, but as well you can't just jump to Celtic bad, Green Brigade good and just take it Mm. from there where I maybe have a wee bit of sympathy with the club for is the fact that right there may be this rap sheet building up of the Green Brigade and then Celtic decide to act on it, terrible timing Mm. but are they meant to come out every week and go, right the Green Brigade done this this game then the next week go, Greenbury had done this and then this. That's not really how it works is it? There'll be talks going on in the background like, guys you can't do this or this is happening again but there doesn't seem to be, there's a lot of communication Mm. not the proper communication going on and we're all left here wondering, right, who is right, who is wrong, who's done what and it's just a mess all over. I don't think either either of them are coming out looking good in this at all. I think it's been really poor really badly handled and it's it's a bit look there's things going on that are bigger than that but Celtic aren't playing brilliant just now Mm -hmm. they're not struggling but bringing in Brendan Rodgers was a wee bit controversial and you thought everybody would try to be coming together becoming a collective went the complete opposite way and I'm not saying it's having a a bad effect on the, the team but it's having a bad effect on the fans and the fans are the ones that go to the football it's their release it's the thing they look forward to going to see it's having a negative effect on that, so it has to be sorted one way or the other, and it has to be sorted where it can't just be one one party is happy with it and the other is completely unhappy with it. There has to be a middle ground somewhere.
1: What I, what I would also say is, and maybe this is coming a bit sort of too obsequious, but even if everything on that charge sheet that Celtic put out is correct, I still don't think that's if that's one hundred percent correct, right? And they're buying to rights for all the stuff they did on that charge sheet, right? I just don't think that's enough to remove what is such a large part of the Celtic fandom now. I just... Uh, I... I, I well, although I will say at the same time, as long as there was a promise that going on forward that, the, that those sorts of things didn't occur, if that's what's happened is if this is your charge sheet and for this reason we're disbanding the Green Brigade, I don't necessarily... Believe and buy into that either. I don't think Some that is pretty bad. but That is the right form of punishment. Well, but do you think it's bad enough to completely disband 320 people's season tickets and don't let them? You know, how do
2: you maybe maybe not? But at the same time, it's not a one-off, is it? This isn't just. It's always been brilliant. Apart from this season, this is happening. So it's been building up over a long time that the club and the Greenhead head are going at loggerheads. There's got to be better ways to go about it than the two of them sort of airing their dirty laundry in well, public. That's it. it's, it's embarrassing for both parties. The and la- the
1: last word on it before we get to the Atlético game because we want to talk about Athletic. Don't we? It's just uh, hard, isn't it? It's difficult. <laughs> the, the thing that the North Cup put out today about the direct debit still being taken for these people who are like, poor. Isn't it? That's there? poor. It's just basic. Admin. Is that right? I missed that. They put out a tweet earlier on saying Celtic are still taking direct debit, still taking money for away games that people are not allowed to go to if that's true, that's basic admin. Uh, but yeah. Champions League games as well will be coming out as well, uh, probably. Y- you, need to, you need to sort that. You kind of be taking people's money after that,
0: them. I didn't, I didn't realise that. Uh, that's that's news to me. No. But that's a, that's a very strange thing to do because you think the most effective thing they could possibly do would be to cancel the direct debits mm-hmm. of those because that's a big statement. It uh, would be a big statement to those who they feel have wronged or offended in some way if they cancelled their direct debits because they would actually take notice of that and think, well, I'm mm. actually serious about this now. I, I Again, I a final thing probably from me on it is that I, I, I do get that the Green Brigade bring an awful lot to the the match-going experience. But it that, saves me having a sing. Yeah, yeah, it does. It <laughs> saves a lot of people I, having to sing. I I think, think it saves
1: I, the people from around me
0: hearing me sing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I, that also doesn't give you The the impunity to behave how you want at away grounds, and I'm going to stress this right. I I use the word strongly, allegedly, right? Because that's all I can go on. Doesn't
1: matter what you say in a podcast, people take it the wrong way. Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. So, i completely ignore that. That's what I use strongly there. But allegedly, there has been some some talk of bad behaviour at away grounds. I would prefer for that not to happen. Mm. I'm quite a quite a passionate believer in don't. Behave like a dick in public, right? oh, Re- yeah, regardless of yeah. W- regardless of what it is, whether it's gigs or nightclubs or restaurants. i should imagine that restaurants, but whatever you as you go to play by the same rules as podcast live shows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, definitely that. <laughs> but we all we all kind of need to broadly agree to behave by the rules that we've all signed up to the the social contract. So don't don't behave like dicks. Um, but again, I stress that this, these are only allegations because all I can go on is what Celtic have said, and all I can go on is Green Brigade that having sort of denied that, but they did say that they have displayed boisterous behaviour and they're, they'll quite happily bypass security you know, mm. protocols at, at stadiums because they don't want to see football sanitised and all that. So it depends what that means. And i yeah. reading between the lines what, what exactly that means. I can't speak for it because I wasn't there. I can only go on what has been alleged. And again, I, I stress that word. So I would prefer not to see that. And I don't think that being a colourful part of the matchday experience excuses that. I don't think that is... Whether I agree with it being just a blanket ban on anyone associated with it, regardless of it, no, I don't think so, Uh, but I suppose that Celtic collecting those names and lumping them all together might be the only way of having any sort of control or influence over it, is that in a much smaller scale, is that what happens if if someone misbehaves at the football and you get stand closure and stuff like that? Is it the only way to just basically just bring the hammer down in an excessive way is to to deliver the message? I don't
1: know. It's it's, ongoing. It's It's a messy subject as well because we get messages for people you know, we don't really operate too much in what, you know, outside influences. We sort of draw our own conclusions about things. But as soon as you even approach the subject of the Green Brigade, we will 100% get it off the back of this podcast. As soon as you even come close to that subject about the Green Brigade, even if you mention them, you will have people going, genuinely, you will have people going, can't believe you 100% support the Green Brigade and everything no, they do. I... They shouldn't be near our club. And you will also get people going, can't believe you support the board and want to, don't want to the Green Brigade court games you no matter what opinion you give you get that we had we get messages before we even spoke about this your unwavering support for the Green Brigade is yes, a disgrace yes. and all that sort of stuff it's it's such a thorny subject and you do take a risk talking about it in podcasts because we've spoken about this before and it's become a bit of a, a joke, but some people, not everyone that listens to podcasts because we've got a good, well-educated listening audience and watching audience, but some people just plain don't listen to what you say and draw their own conclusions. Yeah, so yeah, there is it's, a, it's a thorny subject, but we try our best to cover there's it. A,
0: there's a third opinion to probably be represented here in that a huge amount in the middle will just not care at all. And it's just, it's just some fans at the end of the day that, that you know... If, We'll move on basically. If this if this truly is it for them, it would, that remains to be seen. If it truly is it for them, we'll forget about it in a couple of weeks. Those seats will be resold on, and we'll all kind of move on.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure it'll be as, as. I don't think it'll be as smooth as that. But I do accept that there will people who just want to go and watch football and think this is a whole load of background noise. Yeah, that yeah, they, they, sure they, they, much, they, yeah. They don't. They don't necessarily need. Right. We left ourselves a bit of time to talk about Atletico. A eh, merely do or die for the Champions League.
2: Yeah, is it? Mm. Well. We've, we've done it against even haven't we? we've came in and now we've ticked off a lot of games we're going alright ah, uh, here we go <laughs> so we're on a fourth game now where if we're going to have any chance of qualifying for the Champions League we need to beat the hardest team in the group away from home it's a tall tall order but look Celtic went toe-to-toe totally with them recently played very well the best I've seen from Celtic in a while and it fell down because we didn't have any depth in the squad some players have started to creep in now that they think well, maybe they could do a job. So I'm that James Forrest. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is that. Uh, so we've had a couple of players come in that you think maybe maybe we can do something here. But look, Celtic could go out here, play very well and still come off beaten. We're just hoping to get that third spot. Uh, we have, look, it's all came down to it. We've left it too late again and it's not really the fault of the players. Some of them just weren't ready. Some of them weren't good enough. And this is where we find ourselves now. So Celtic have to go out there, give a good account of themselves and as usual, please don't get pumped.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean,
2: it's going to be even harder
0: than we thought it was going to be at home going in. We all agreed that that was a very, very difficult game to go into. I think we'd all sort of resigned to probably a defeat in that game. Mm, yep. Massively overperformed expectations and I thought it was a really, really good performance. As as much as you can celebrate a draw, I think in context it was actually a, a brilliant performance. Yes. Really, one of the best in years. I think we said that last week. It was the best Champions League performance in several years. This is it's going to be an even trickier challenge away. Uh, having said that, they've just lost to greatly unfancied Las Palmas really? at the at the weekend, so that gives me a little bit of confidence to an extent because it's the Champions League. Mm. If they if they drop a, a shocker in the league, they can recover that at some point. They, I'm sure they can get that back. But going into the Champions League, over the, we're into the kind of back nine um, of the the Champions League group stage now. They're going to want to top the group and Celtic are standing in the way of that now. They're going to be more focused, Well, maybe not more focused, but they're going to turn it on in the Champions League. That's, that's what they're there for. I think that it's they didn't rest any players Celtic dropped a few players and, and won at Ross County they had a, had a few
1: more days resting us as yeah, well they, they, they?
0: they had a very strong team out against um, the Los Palmas at the weekend so I, I, they don't have that excuse I, I didn't look at it and think oh, well maybe there's a couple of couple of dropped players in there maybe that's what the influence the performance I, I don't think it did it just seems to have been a bad game but I don't know how much we can possibly learn from that there's no don't get away from it though. If we had dropped points going into the game, we would treat it as a, a dent for the confidence. So mm-hmm. we so there's no reason to to think that Atlico like oh will be unfazed by having dropped unexpected points. It's bound to have had some sort of effect. Whether that's enough of effect to drop points at home to Celtic in the Champions League, I I, I don't really know. Very very hard, but you know this is what we're here for. We're, yeah, we're yeah. Celtic only here. I mean, as defeated as as it's a defeatist as it sounds. We're not in the Champions League to win it. That's never going to happen. All we can hope for is to give, as you say, a good account of ourselves, put in good performances, memorable performances that we're hopefully talking about in years to come. Remember that time we went to toe to- with Atletico Madrid and took a point off them or or even beat them in their own stadium. This is what we're here for. So I don't think we should we should be phased by it either. Atate missing is a blow. That, mm. That's we're going to be missing him for the rest of the the group. So that's that's definitely a blow. I don't know if anyone has really Emerged as the nailed on starter for that could be Bernardo could be David Turnbull could be Home, mm. could be Kwon could be the one <laughs> that, that we mentioned oh, earlier. this could be the moment that leave we, it at we, the squad yes. Uh, <laughs> but <no, laughs> no, is but that, that, I thought that could be the moment we teed up earlier where he the, made us eat our words but it could be any one of those. I wouldn't be surprised to see any one of those names apart from Kwan on the on the team sheet. So the rest of the team picks itself, basically. I think in the midfield is is where the surprises are going to be. But there's no getting away from it. Hatate losing him is a blow. I said after the home game that maybe it wasn't necessarily the worst thing in the world that he was injured quite early on. Now, I don't I mean it's bad for him because he injured. But Bernardo gave us a little bit more, a, a little bit more of a, sort of possession based, you know, ball retention mm-hmm. in there. He's a wee bit more wee bit more of a steady eddy than Hatati is. But the the bad side of that is that he's nowhere near the same level of creative spark that Hatati brings. So uh, it's a very, very hard game missing one of our best players. It's always gonna be a tough ask.
1: I would just like to apologise on behalf of Stephen earlier on he said hey, we're into the back nine. I just want everyone to know that none of us play golf. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, absolutely not. Um there's a few things going our way, Melly. Now, the last time we won an away game in the Champions League was when?
2: Brendan Rogers was the manager anyway, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, and
1: um We're coming up on the anniversaries, depending on when you watch and listen to this, of. Uh, no, the anniversary never changes, actually. <laughs> that, I don't know why. That doesn't make any sense. Of beating Barcelona and Lazio. There's a couple of things going for Celtic. Um, the athletic performance first time around as Stephen's already said, as we said at the time, best performance of the season, probably. Brendan's probably got a bit of a grudge against the manager there because he didn't shake his hand. (laughs) Apparently he doesn't shake anyone's hand. I don't know if it's a a germophobia thing or whatever, (laughs) but it's very weird. Um, You might as well, Melly, go into these games with confidence and positivity, both if you're Celtic and as as a fan, because, like you say, all you really need is to give a good account of ourselves and... There's, there's, it's almost. I know if we lose, we're out of the Champions League. But
2: there's almost, in a sense, nothing to lose. No, not this game. I think everybody looked at this game and thought, right, Neil Platt for this one. So Celtic going eight Look, I get it. Look, as a fan, I'm scared because. I don't want to see my team take a hiding but every single player at Celtic will be at Celtic because they want to be involved in these games and they want to be involved in these games and they want to perform in these stadiums and at this level and that's what you aspire to. Now Brendan Rodgers as well this is where he wants to be he wants to be competing against these managers showing that he hasn't lost it Look, he had a tough time in the last season at Leicester but he's still up there in the elite managers and maybe the way Celtic are set up suits them better for the Champions League rather than this while Diza Maeda and Lewis Palmer lack creativity they haven't been found wanting the Champions mm-hmm. League this season what they have is Celtic get a lot of early balls in over the flanks and can get in behind teams I think Alex when he scouted Atletico Madrid said that's where Celtic can get at them we looked very good against them those two players were involved in the goals and look Celtic just need to go out there and play their game we're struggling to break teams down it's not really going to be the the case for this game. Celtic have to stay in the game, and what we've seen a lot from this team this season is they can suffer in games, they can suffer, they can get through it. Now they might do that, they might play the perfect game and still lose. But this is where we where we want to be. This is where we need to find out right who's ready for this level and who's mm-hmm. not. Because Brendan Rodgers certainly hasn't come here to just be that runner-up in the group that comes fourth and goes right fair enough it's got to be Celtic want to be here next season and the next season this is our second season in the Champions League we won't make it the third and the fourth so what do we need to do to stay there get there get the players in we have to perform at this level that's what the players have got to do now
1: and on that bombshell uh, sign up for our Patreon patreon.com 20 20 Tims you can actually sign up free we're going to start putting free articles and some content up there for you if you want to just check it out try it for your buy type thing patreon.com slash 20 tims, it'll all be there um, thank you for watching and listening